Hello everyone and welcome back to the MTG Novels Project 0.4. We'll continue our reading of The Colors of Magic, edited by Jess LeBeau. However, first I want to give a quick shout out to Coach at the Card Bazaar for the idea and inspiration. Check the comments for links to his audiobooks for the first three novels. Okay, full disclosure, I've had a speech impediment earlier in life, which I've tried my best to overcome. I also apologize if you find my voice nasally or otherwise dislike it. I'm trying my best to provide you with the best content I'm able to provide. However, this being said, I'd love to hear constructive feedback which corrects pronunciation issues or provides other realistic feedback that could improve the project. A legal note. This is an unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizards of the Coast. The content is covered under the 2017 Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Red is the color of release, the hue of outward expression and excitement. It is hard to be indifferent about red. It may be loved or feared, but it is seldom disregarded. It is characterized as aggressive, vigorous, and giving to impulse and mood. Those associated with red are sometimes accused of lacking patience or possessing a quick temper. But red also embodies a fervent passion and a feeling for fellow beings. Red is signified by fire, blood, lava, and emotion. It manifests itself as bursts of outward expression and outspoken tirades. Red characterizes those who know what needs to be done and aren't afraid to do it. For those who want results and action instead of deliberation and debate. For those who like the cathartic pleasure of flame. Our first story in red is Goblinology by Francis LeBaron. Introductory note by Armand R. Bassino, instructor of popular culture and goblinology at the Argave, Argivian University and author of Studies in Goblin Culture, The Goblin Ruins at the Flarg, Their History and Explanation, and Squee, the, pop, the Study in Popular Mythology. Note to the margin, Squee, Squee, Squee. According to Arbastro, every goblin is named Squee, L.B. It's my privilege to present to the public a very remarkable document Richard discovered in the ruins of the Flark, and edited and annotated by myself and some minor assistants by Latavino Barbaranti, who unfortunately departed from the university before the project could be completed. I may add that I regard this task as a crowning achievement of my extensive work on the history and development of Goblin culture, and Dr. had conference and conclusion to which I, in the face of opposition from so many colleagues, had already come. Note in the margin, a silly self-satisfied conclusion by an overbold wingbag, LB. It has, of course, been my contention for a number of years that the Goblins of the Flarg were polytheistic polytheists, worshipping a variety of gods whom whom they made regular sacrifices. Prior to the discovery at the Flarg of the document below, however, little specific information was available concerning goblin religious rituals. Thanks to my work on this document, combined with the extensive body of writing I have bequeathed to the learned community as my legacy, future historians and goblinologists will have little trouble in fi filling the gaps along the trail I've already blazed. 
In point of fact, I've already developed the theory of goblin religion in my well-known, if I may say, remarkable book, The Apostles of Squee, Deconstructing Goblin Religion, Discourse, and Perception in the Age of the Great Cold, Argyvin University Press. Note in the margin. Well-known indeed, the book was the book was remaindered within 30 days, and housewives all over Tessaria used it as a doorstop. The only thing remarkable about the book was the fact that um, Arbacino managed to spread his lunatic theory over 2,000 pages. In fact, Arbacino was almost fired from his position when, while presenting a copy to the Chancellor, he dropped it and broke the poor man's ankle. The Chancellor spent two weeks in bed, and Arbacino made the rounds of the factory parties in Argive, explaining that the university official had been struck by the weight of his, ar his arguments. LB. It is not out of place here to briefly summarize this theory. Note in the margin. The gods preserve us. LB. In ancient times, during the age of the great dark and cold that followed hard upon the disastrous era of the Brothers' War, goblins at the Flarg formed a vast and powerful community. It is clear from the extensive ruins at the Flarg that they were a politically influential race, deep in learning, strong in arms, and universally respected through much of Dominaria. Great goblin sheet fleets plowed the seas, and goblin ornithopters swept through the clouds, driving the enemies of the goblin umpire before them. Note in the margin. Here we go again. Arbacino used to propagate this story in the pubs around the university, usually late in the evening when he had eight or nine glasses of Colitsian wine. For this reason, he is known throughout the university as Old Goblin Head, LB. In this age, a cult grew up among the goblins, centering on worship of a deity known as Squee. This fate accounts for the extensive use of the name among the goblins of the Flarg and indeed the goblin's community through the rest of Dominaria. The cult of Squee was celebrated in various rituals, which was clearly extremely sacred to the goblins, though they are perhaps broader understanding today. Now, in the following document, I have the clues that allow me, drawing on historic knowledge accumulated over a lifetime of study of goblin culture, to unravel the mystery of the goblin Squee-based rituals. The document is evidently in the form of a letter, written by one high priest of Squee to another, and communicates the essence of the rituals. Well, even some parts of it as mysterious as before, nonetheless I have ever confidence in my persistence and scholarly ability will allow me to unravel this tangle as well and lay it before my public. Note in the margin. In other words, there's no reasonable chance of getting him to shut up in the near future. LB. I will indicate briefly the circumstance attended Upon the discovery of this historic find, while escaping the ruins of the Goblin Temple at the Flarg, I came across a wide, flat area. Note in the margin. Actually, the area was first uncovered by myself in Serapina Machiv, a graduate student who Arbacino had talked into working for him for the summer. Until the dig at the Flarg, she spent most of her time trying to make sense of his incoherent notes, ramblings, while evading his crude attempt to get her into bed with him. At the time we uncovered the site, Arbacino was soundly asleep in his tent. LB. At either end of this area, it was clear that the distinctive past pest holes had been inserted. I, conclude, I concluded that such an area accompanied a large population, 
could have been used for religious ceremonies of considerable significance. With this in mind, I look for evidence to confirm this theory. It's not slow in coming. To one side of the field, I found several objects, roughly spheroid, approximately a foot long and slightly pointed at both ends. These had been placed in a box, indicating they had been very precious to the goblins, and thus objects of religious veneration. Also in the box was a crude wooden whistle. Several skins used to hold water, and in light of the regis, of the obvious religious character of the site, sacred wine and several garments, which, though worn through and the ages, were recognizable as holy vestments, employed only during the most sacred rituals. And they bore large numbers on their back and were emblazoned with names, which are translated after considerable difficulty, the meaning of which will become clear through perusing the documents below. In further examination, I discovered more evidence of the ritual behavior. Parts were churned up by the feet of many worshipping goblins, and along the sides were evidence of many spectators. In one place near the edge of the field was a heap of bottles that one time presumably contained sacred drinks consumed during the ceremonies that were enacted upon the field. Note the Malagin. You, you'll notice all the talk about drink. One of Arbacino's earliest research projects during his tenure at the Argivian University was an attempt in his laboratory to discover the exact competition of the sacred wine of the goblins. To this end, he made a number of experiments, most of which ended in him drinking the results. One such experiment involved too high proportion of a particularly um, wallatic alcohol derivative, resulting in the destruction of a substantial section of the Hall of Alchemical Research and permanently removed Arbacino's eyebrows, LB. The document reproduced below was found in the remains of one of the dwellings in the field and was probably composed by a high priest. It takes the form of a letter to a fellow, fellow religious figure and explained the development of a specific ceremony in the cult of Squee, whose existence I have established. One final note is in order. Writing among the goblins seemed to have employed spelling and grammatical conventions, largely unknown to us, that clearly allowed them to have a high measure of precise beauty and grace, which I have accompanied to speak to my students. Yes, and a spectacle is enough to attract students carrying rotten fruit and vegetables from all over town. Rose grow out that, that that loony armon's added again, and you can see the crowds coming for miles. LB. If confusion should arise, the reader is advised to consult my well-known dictionary of Goblinese, accompanied, compiled by Armand Arbacino in 16 volumes. Dirk Rank, hope this letter finds you good. It's fine too. Whether here good, some rain, but sunny afterwards, bring out the bogs. Arbacino note, the name Crack, Crank, is probably a formal title. Discussion of weather in the flarg is, is clearly preparatory to a more extensive discussion of the squeeze-based ritual, which required a certain amount of alternating rain and sun. The word here given as bugs, I decided to translate as followers or disciples. Evidently, the writer of the letter is anticipating a large gathering for the ritual, anticipated by his remarks on the weather. We made up new game other day, me and Fizzer. Remember how we use goblin bombs 
to keep off bad men. Well, we had a lot of them in a big pile outside, and Ruzi told me a fizzer to take them off war. They couldn't hurt nobody outside the houses. Arbacino note. The phrase Galvan bombs is particularly significant here. There can be no precise translation of this, but I think it's best understood as a type of volatile object when carried, as we see later during religious ceremonies. Druze is clearly the title for the high priest, giving instructions to the fizzers, that is, to his acolytes. Anyway, we took the bombs to the big flat place outside Squeeze House, Arbacino note, his temple, and we's having fun throwing the bombs at each other, trying to catch them when Squee came out of his house and yelled us that we're making too much noise and he can't sleep. A tremendous significant passage, the Squee emerges from his temple, making himself manifest to his priests. This is clearly a most holy moment, indicated by the elevated language of the passes. Thus, we can see the priests, the fizzers, manipulating the sacred objects, the bombs, and calling forth the Squee, who responds to them with a ritual chant of some sort. North in the margins. Where does he get these ideas? LB. So me and Fizzer throw one of the bombs to him, and he catched it. We started to run away, and then we were off of the side where no things at and start this big rock slide so Squee couldn't catch us. We was laughing. Obviously, note. The passage makes clear that the side of the temple of Squee was near the area I uncovered at the ruins of the flarg, the flat, large field. Further indicate that it was a site of religious ritual is plain from the fact that various measurements, 10 yards, 20 yards, 30, and so on, are marked one side of the ancient goblinese, indicating clearly the path along which the religious processions proceeded. Squee got so mad, he kicked the bomb, and Fizzer caught it before it blew up and ran back to the field. Squee ran after him and tried to grab him, but it pushed him down, then we ran off. Squee chased after us, trying to grab the bomb, but we kept tossing it to each other. Arbessino note, the squee and the fizzers engage in ceremonial dialogue, each clearly responding with predetermined questions and answers, manipulating the sacred object while passing along the holy road. We can be confident that the whole ceremony was witnessed by awestruck devotees who probably consumed the sacred drink, as well as ritual-based food during the event. Note in the margin. Well, when it comes to consuming sacred drink, whether it's own making or drawn from a tap, Our Bacino's on familiar ground. I've seen him go through four balls of wine during an evening's carousing. I'll be. Fizzer's sister and mother was watching us, and they started yelling and laughing and jeering. Our Bacino's note, sister and mother here are obviously metaphorical. These are reference to the high priestesses of Squee, who now join in the ceremony. Then they was throwing grass clumps at us, and they started waving around big clumps of grass and jumping up and down. We was laughing really hard. Very important, as the process procession of bugs 
led by the Fizzers, moves towards the Squee manifestations. He is joined by the High Priestesses, who wave plant forms, thus signaling the coming of the new year through the benefit agency of the Squee. Thus we find confirmation that the Squee cult was a fertility ritual. I have discussed the subject extensively in well-known and highly respected work, the regenderization and dissexification of Goblinesque interaction in the period of antiquity. Note the margin. Ah, oh, please. Arnold has an amazing ta- talent for overlooking the obvious. His interest in fertility cults was probably fueled by the fact that his wife left him. Understandable, since he used to start every morning by reading sections of regenerization to her over the breakfast dishes. When she left the house for the last time, she also left him with a black eye, which she explained to his colleagues at the university as a result of walking into a lamppost. Most of his acquaintance assumed, from the shape of the booze, that his wife had heaved the well-known and highly respected work at him, L.B. So anyways, everybody in the town came running and was watching us throw the bomb around. When Fizzer dropped it and it blows up, we found part of Fizzer on top of me roof later than Arbusino No. Clearly the combination of the ceremony is ritual sacrifice of the high priest, or Fizzer. Those who went around him chant praises to the great squee, one who manages the scene clearly, the pure white robes of the acolytes and rich golden trappings of the high priest, studded with gems that gleam in the sunlight. The air is filled with sounds of songs, bringing praise to squee, asking the gods to bless the coming harvest with their benevolence. The archpriestess, referred to the document as Mother, stands astride the fizzer, a jeweled dagger in her hand. It glitters against blue sky as she slowly raises it. The chanted raises in volume, and then she slashes it down in my stroke. Blood plays upward, splashing her robes with the water of life, and the crowd gives a mighty shriek of delight and religious ecstasy. Note in the margin. Pure romance. Orbicino should have written stories for a living. LB. The game was fun, so we did it again. This time we had two teams, and they wore different shirts. We threw the bomb to Quick, and he ran with it to try to get to the other end of the field with it till the other team catch him and beat him with clubs and stuff as if we was down. Then we do it again with till the other team, we called them the Raiders, because they raided us and tried to steal our bombs, got the bomb, and then they run with it. Our prisoners note, from this fairly confused package we can infer that the ritual slaying of the Fizzer was followed by an orgy involving all the participants in the ceremony. Note magic. Of course, all Bettino's theories involve orgies sooner or later. We had to name our team, cause, and we couldn't think of something till someone, I think it was Fizzer's cousin, Farf, who was throwing the bomb most, said we should pack beetle bugs for lunch next time, because he was hungry. Again, the reference to increasing number of bugs i.e. followers, necessary for the ceremony. So we called ourselves the Packers. Arbusino's note, it seems clear that this religious cult split into competing factions, which absolutely led to religious wars. This probably explains why this cult was eventually wiped out and has left only faint traces in goblin culture today. From the extent of the destruction of the cult, we are safe in inferring a series of increasingly severe religious wars and crusades carried out by the raiders and packers 
upon one another, resulting in their mutual extinction. I propose to deal much more ex extensively with this issue in my forthcoming book, The Shadowed World, an investigation of goblin religious wars and the collapse of the cult of Squee. Note in the margin, the guards preserve us. He proposed to write another sleep producer, LB. Anyway, the game is a fun now, and we play it all the time. So people don't like getting hit with the clubs. So we had to tell everybody no more of that. Just grab the guy with the bomb and push him down. Also, was running out of goblin bombs, and people don't like throwing them so much, because if they drop them, they get blued up. So maybe we's uh, something else, like a ball. We's uh, trying to decide what to call the game. Someone said we should call it Ball Kicking with Feet, but we all laughed. Then I said we should call it After f Food, because it makes us feel like eating each other. So we decided to call it the Cricket. So concludes this remarkable document, the most detailed and preservative evidence for my theory of the cult of Squee, yet adduced. The author of the document even gives a name to the important cult, Cricket. I call, I take considerable pride in presenting this evidence to the refute the ignorant attempts by certain of my colleagues at the Argivian University to dismiss my research and request that reagents of the university come it into consideration when discussing my application for future resources to continue investigating the exciting and intriguing pathways opened up by this find. Note appended to the above. To the regents and masters of the Argive, sorry, to the regents and masters of the Argive University, Lavino Barbati, late of the university. As you can plainly deduce from the above document, Old Arbusino has has gone completely around the bed. His theory of a goblin religious cult of squee, which he began developing 20 years ago, has been preying on his brain, and he has now taken to new heights of lunacy. As I mentioned above in the marginal note, I was with Arbusino when he investigated the ruins at the Flag. Since he was drunk most of the time, there was little he saw and less remembered. He's right about the field, though. Sarpine and I found it more or less the way he describes it. It was striking only that whereas the rest of the settlement had fallen into ruins after human raids that laid waste to the area, the broad field was actually well preserved. I don't deny it was a place important to the goblins, but Arbacio's idea of rituals has no evidence for it at all. I told him as much at the time, but he wasn't inclined to listen, and I felt it was best to keep quiet and hope the whole thing would blow over. We found the shroid objects, wineskins, and a whistle, exactly as it said. The garments were in pretty bad shape, but I could make out the word raiders on one and packers on the other. On the other side of the field were places where there had been some sort of arrangement of benches. Arbusino is right in saying that we're, whatever was going on was seen by a gathering of goblins. At one end of the field was a large rock, on which at some point in the past someone had chiseled some numbers and words. It's hard to make everything out, but there's something about downs. However, well, I'm able to disciple the words translated meaning. Personally, I believe the whole discovery was far less significant than Arbusino wanted to make out. Back in our tent, he kept babbling about about the most significant archaeological find of the century. And the physical foundation of science and galvanology. I tell I had to hit him over the head with a flagon of wine to shut him up. 
Next morning when he came to, the original idea of religious cult was firmly ensconced into his mind. And nothing I said could dislodge it. We'd uh, argued about it almost the way back, all the way back to Argive. And shortly after, as many of you are aware, I departed from the university rather than suffer through further association with him. I strongly urge you to ignore this whole affair and offer Arbusino the spectacle of a quiet retirement at some obscure location within the university. Whatever went on at the flag on that field, I doubt it had any lasting significance for Goblin culture. At best, it was some kind of ritual, certainly not religious, that was brief and probably didn't involve any great numbers. It seemed to be clear from the documents that cricket was a game who can imagine any society spending a great deal of time and resources on a mere game. That was Goblinology by Francis LeBaron. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.